Hey guys, welcome back to the Legendary Podcast. This is episode number four, and we're so glad that you are listening. Unfortunately, Sam couldn't be with me today for this intro. He is, I can only assume, scuba diving somewhere deep in the South Pacific, uh, unconnected and untethered. But uh, Sam and I had a great time sitting down with Jeff Hartensfeld, our regional director, last episode. So we hope you really enjoyed that. We've gotten lots of comments about it. I know that Sam and I, we've listened to it multiple times and gotten things from it since then. And so uh, it was just an awesome time to chat with him and and hear about a subject that's uh, really important to all of us, and that's leadership. So we are also very excited about this episode. We had Pastor Mark Lehman. Pastor Mark is the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church in Bowie, Maryland. Their church I mean, they take missionary care so seriously, and it's just awesome to see how their church interacts with the missionaries they support. We get tons of notes and videos and just really personal things that they send to us, and it's a huge encouragement. He is a, a real encourager, and so we knew that he would be a great guest for this episode and so it was great to sit down and, and discuss some of the things that he's learned over the years, pastoring a church, and also just to be encouraged by him as missionaries. So we hope you enjoy this episode. One of the issues that we have with this podcast is that uh, logistically, we're just all in different places. And so Sam and I are often recording from long distance. In this particular episode, Pastor Mark was in Maryland. I was in Tokyo. Sam was in Vanuatu. And so we're in different corners of the world. And unfortunately, the audio for the Skype call, this was our first time doing it that way. And it did not turn out phenomenal. <laughs> and uh, worked it with it as much as I could uh, to try to improve it. But we really felt like we wanted to go ahead and release this episode to you because there is some really great substance here and we think that it will minister to you. So we apologize for the audio. We're working on how to bring you guys the best quality audio um, considering the situation that we're in and recording in different parts of the world. So pray with us as we work through the logistics of recording guests from long distance and we appreciate your patience. We really hope that you get something great out of this episode, and we hope that you're having a great start to your holidays. We're praying for you. We believe in you. We're standing with you. Guys, be legendary and enjoy this episode number four with Pastor Mark Lehman. One of the one of the reasons I think, um, Pastor Mark, your 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 name kind of came up very quickly when we were thinking about uh, who we might invite on the podcast. And from our perspective in Japan, you know, we have I don't know two hundred supporters. That's just mm. a rough number, you know. And a lot of those are churches. I would say that your church is easily the most in contact church that we have out of all of those supporting churches. And I know I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I know from that contact in a way we've gotten to know you, you know, kind of mm -hmm. long distance, but I can tell very quickly that you have a heart to not only to, to reach the world with Jesus, but to encourage missionaries 
uh, and to support what God is doing uh, around the world. It's very kind to hear that, and I, I really look forward to it. But I really do think we do enjoy uh, partnering with uh, people who serve around the world, and I think our church has really grabbed hold of that very strongly. That I mean, you you get contacted by joy oftentimes. What what's your prayer need? What's your prayer request? And people really do pray. Right. Um, but it's cool stuff. I really thank God for it. But I'm glad to hear that. I wish more churches would do it. It's an easy thing to bless the church that way. Right. It actually blesses us more than it blesses you. To be honest with you, it's very it's a very selfish thing for us to support missionaries. <laughs> it is very selfish because you guys are helping us fulfill the Great Commission. <laughs> It's God's call on us, and you're just helping us fulfill that call. So, super selfish. It's the way that this relationship, I think, is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, there, there is a mutual, not not only a, a, an agreement, but a we're we're all in this together for the same reasons and trying to Absolutely. accomplish the same goals as missionaries. Sometimes, and certainly not lately, because the world has got smaller with with uh, the internet and things. But in the past, it feels like it would be easy to be forgotten. And uh, so to have churches that are yeah. very aware of what we're doing continually is a, a huge encouragement. Even you said, uh, Jonathan, even though we're more connected than ever before in our history, the history of the world, people are more isolated than ever too. Right. It's easy to hide behind social media and connections there and think, oh, we're all good, but we're not all good. Yeah. That's why suicide rates are high. That's why Christian, even people yeah. that you guys know are struggling, even though they're so connected, yeah. it's it's still impersonal. Yeah, yeah. And you touched on exactly why we're doing this. You know, this this legendary is specifically just for men, and uh, I know you know that, but I I just want you to reiterate it. You know, this is your voice and your thoughts are going to be heard by the men of Asia Pacific, the missionary men, and this is designed to be that lifeline. This is designed to be that one extra point of connection. And I know because of some of the reviews we've been hearing that uh, what you say today is going to be impactful on someone's life. You are going to speak life into someone. You are going to encourage someone today. Uh, and we are so excited that you're with us. Thank you so much. No, it's my joy and honor. It really is. I know that you've been at Cornerstone for, uh, what, 20, 25? 26 years. 26, 26 years. 26 years this month. Yeah, this wow. month. Wow. That, That's that awesome. church has... I'm sure been through some major transitions yeah. from what it looked like 26 years ago to today. Absolutely. What has that process been like? Because you have, like a lot of missionaries, you went to one place and planted, put your roots down, stayed there through, I'm sure what must have been many difficult times, many seasons where mm-hmm. maybe even you thought, is this it? Is this mm-hmm. the time to cut loose and, and, and go? What what's that been like for you to stay in one place and really really work that soil? <laughs> Probably like uh, a lot of the guys who are listening to this. You know, when I came here, I didn't plan on staying long term. I didn't know. And in fact, that's why we, we didn't want to buy a house yeah. right away because we thought we're not going to stay. You know, it was just a very different situation. The church was hurting. It was small, and there was a lot of inner turmoil because of uh, past things before we got here. But one thing I found out that if I made my determination to say yes to God and stuck with it, he would take care of the things. And so there were some times some really mm-hmm. challenges. But honestly, the, the beautiful things, I think Craig Rochelle said this in one of his podcasts recently, you know, really, you need to think about the good things that God has done, not just the hard things. It's really easy to focus myself yeah. and you guys too on what's not happening. And sometimes I feel like for all of us in ministry, wherever we're at, 
Uh, you guys remember, this is going to date myself here now, the Rocky movies. You guys heard about them. Maybe you didn't see them, but you heard about them. <laughs> There's one time when Rocky is standing, he's fighting a Russian <laughs> named Ivan Drago, and he's getting pulverized. He's getting beat up so badly. And he says to Ivan Drago, I'm still standing here. I'm still standing here. And I think sometimes in ministry, the one thing you can do is I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm sticking it out. Hmm. And I think That's too awesome. many people look for a loophole or a back door in ministry instead of saying, yeah. wait a second. You made a commitment to God, not just to be a missionary or a pastor. You made a, mission, a commitment to him to be a, to be his servant. Right. And whatever that means, yeah. you do it. And so, yeah, there's been really challenging times. There's a few, but nine years ago, I wanted to leave. And I had a couple options to do some other things. And I was very tempted to do that and uh, called a person I respect very highly. And they said, has God told you to go? Well, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> I just want to do something else, you know? Yeah. But, um. But God was really faithful to us, and he really gave me wisdom. And, but I think that what helped me, guys, was so much was to say, I, I made the commitment to God, and uh, I'm going to keep focused on that. And I've made so many mistakes in the 26 years. God has been really gracious. We have incredible people. But what's so cool about that is God's plan was always part of what he put in my heart. So I would say to the folks listening, to you guys uh, who are listening, you don't know how God's going to orchestrate things. So if I can just say this real quickly, when I, I was raised outside Chicago, I love the diversity of Chicago area. And uh, I noticed that in my church uh, growing up, it was not very diverse. It was pretty much, I call myself vanilla. And so I was pretty <laughs> vanilla. And, uh, and I said, God, someday, if you let, if you may be a pastor, and I fought for a long time to be a pastor, didn't want to be, uh, please let me do something that reflects heaven. So what I'm trying to say is now, 26 years later, we have 70, 70 different nations in our church. And so on Sunday, it's like heaven, wow. you know, and I'm not the majority anymore. And I love that. Yeah. We have all different flavors, all different backgrounds. But I thought to myself, that was, that was, God put that in my heart. It wasn't my idea. It was his idea. Yeah. He knew that would, that would keep me focused. Hmm. And I think for the folks listening on this, you have to say, God, you've known me. It's not like I'm trying to make this up as I go, God. You're teaching me things that I can never understand, but you put things in my heart. Where the Word of God says, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Who put the desires there? Yeah. Because he knows how we're wired. Right. He knows that even the guys mm -hmm. listening to this podcast, like Sam said, is going to breathe life to people because we're wired that way. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'd never hear from someone else talking to us face to face, but they'll listen to a guy who's in another part of the world and say, you know what, here's... Here's my heart. So I, I just feel like there has been challenges, been difficult times. But I look back and I honestly, my mentor, uh, we have guys mentoring me for 25 years. He always says this, and it's really true. My life has exceeded my dreams, and it's really true. And uh, I think there's a great joy in that, you know? Yeah, yeah. As you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking a couple things. One is sometimes you wonder, you know, I don't know if we ever feel fully satisfied with where we get to because we are always like, you get to one level, so to speak, and and you feel like, oh, well, this this was enough yesterday, but now I'm thinking, what 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 could we do now? You know? Yeah. And having gone from where you guys were in the beginning, which was, yeah. you know, maybe a hundred people to to over a thousand, over seventy nations represented. Yeah. Um yeah. how much you do you think that some of that is is payoff for that perseverance that that God blesses what you're doing and your yeah. willingness to persevere and push past those things. I think it's a big part of it. 
I think uh, it used to be a time that uh, folks in ministry, missionaries or whatever, said, hey, it's tough, I'll go somewhere else. And I think they lose sight of sometimes you're like watering and planting. You know that verse where Paul talks about some water, some plant? I think all of us do all of those things yeah. at some time in our in our mm-hmm. life. And so, yeah, the church was 100 people. Now it's, you know, 20, 30 times more than that now. And God has been so faithful. But that never would have happened had we left when it was hard. And I think part of it, if I can say this, guys, I tell my people all the time, the reason God has me in ministry is to keep me in line. Yeah. I, I think I often think about if I had walked away somewhere else, if I was doing engineering or doing some other kind of professional job, I wonder if I would still be focused on God so much. And mm. I think it keeps me focused because the whole idea is God's working on me, not just through me. Mm. And that process is the hand in glove with what he wants to do. So I think if, if you just hold on, guys, and those people who are listening, hold on, don't give up because you made a commitment to God. And at some point on this podcast, I'd love to tell you a story that really has gripped me in the last couple of months about that perseverance and just holding on to God. But I yeah. feel like uh, somehow we lose that so much. And and if I can say this to you, you said something, uh, Jonathan, a moment ago that you think different levels of success. And, and I always say, who's measuring success? Hmm. Usually it's man. Yeah. So like in my context, people ask me all the time, how big is the church? And I always say, not big enough. And uh, that usually bothers people a lot because they want to know, how do I compare with what you're doing? And that's the wrong attitude. Yeah. And then I had another folks, mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. I would, if I would name, you'd know who he is, a very, very successful in man's eyes, um, minister and college president and stuff. He said to me, Mark, one time he said, Mark, once you get to the mountain, you think you've really made it. Mm-hmm. You found out there's nothing there but God. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, I've never forgotten that. You know, he's, he'd been pastor of a large church. He'd had all these success. I mean, you would know the guy's name, but he'd say, he said, there's nothing there at the top of the mountain except God. Wow. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And Pastor, we really want to hear that story you were talking about. But before that story, I've got a question about this process. I, I think you're, I think you're, t- I think the topic that you brought up, this, this longevity, this stick to itiveness is probably one of the most, underrated, but one of the most significant things we can do as ministers. In that process, how do we avoid watering down the dream? How do we avoid, how do we let the dream grow? How do, how do, we, how do we keep ourselves in a position where when we're getting beat up and we're going through all these challenges that we keep the dream in front of us and keep it growing and allow God to grow it? You know, that, that to me is a constant um, growth pattern, and say it that way, because when I was young, I thought it meant one thing, and now I think it means another thing. I can be honest with you. When I was young, I thought I work hard, I persevere as hard as I can, and God will bless me, and it'll all be good. But when it didn't happen that way, that all of a sudden the blessing didn't come all always easy, I started looking at, like people do, what's in it for me? How do I fit in? How am I getting affirmed? And I really felt like God said, listen, I'm your affirmation. And ultimately, I keep saying, I said that every missionary I ever talked to, and I talked to quite a few of them, you're not working for anyone else, you're working for God. And, you, and you're not working for your own success. And it's hard for guys, because all of us are wired to say, we get a lot of satisfaction of what we do. Okay, so, and you guys are extra pressure too, all the, all the folks listening on this podcast, you have extra pressure because you've got to write these newsletters and reports right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Here's all the good things. It's that are all happening. fun stuff, Pastor Mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's a joy. I know you guys look forward to it. Let's do one more report. But I think 
part of it is, <laughs> even in that, though, I, I, one of my favorite authors is a guy who only wrote one book that, that no one ever read. Uh, his wife wrote a lot of the books that, he, that he's attributed with reading, and that's Oswald Chambers. Yeah. And Oswald Chambers makes a great statement. We, he says, we always think that once we arrive at the mountain, it'll be great. He said, we forget that the process is his goal for us. Mm. So for me, Sam, it's like God's chipping away at me, working to me every day. So what I'm trying to do, even in my own life right now, is to be more intimate with God and intentional intimacy, not just sitting down to pray and pray all of my needs away. Yeah. My family, my wife, mm. my kids, grandkids, the church stuff. But really, I, I look at when, um, when God's walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, he looked forward to that and they look forward to that. And I like right. that it's in the cool of the day, usually at nighttime and the work is done. So I just feel like sometimes we, we, we so convolute ministry and relationship with God. That's where people suffer and that's where people get in trouble and they don't want to stay because yeah. they forget. Well, ministry is not going well, or we're not seeing success we want to see. And yet, you know what? God in His grace really moves us to the point of saying, Will you love me in, if I do nothing else? Yeah. And you mm-hmm. preach that. The process is the point. Yeah. How much of our time is trying, and even the effort, the prayers, the, the struggle is trying to get out of the process. Yeah. When God is saying, I want to keep you in the process because that's the Absolutely. point. Because what I'm doing Absolutely. you in, in you now and through that process is for what I'm taking you to. Mm-hmm. And I think if we stop mm. struggling and fighting against the process, it doesn't mean that it's yes. always an enjoyable moment. No. But if we embrace it to the point we say, we stop and say, okay, like God, take this away if you're willing to take it away, but also teach me what you're trying to teach me. Because I'm desperate to yes. learn. And I, I'm, I'm dense, guys. I think most men are, to be honest with you. All the people, I always tell my, my uh, church, I said that men are dumb as stumps sometimes. <laughs> and it's really true. Because I think that if I work harder and do better things, then yeah. God would love me more. Yeah. And he doesn't. And, and I always think about even nine years ago, and that was a shift in my own walk with God. Mm-hmm. It was nine years ago when I was really going through a time that I wanted to to check out and do something else. In ministry, I had other options to do different things. But I felt like, man, had I not persevered, had I not got to know God better, and I mean, honestly, guys, I talk to God like a lot, not just my prayer time. Mm-hmm. I feel like he is that one that he wants to walk with me in the cool of the day or in, tr- in times of trial, and not churchy ways. Yeah. But, I mean, he, I, I, it, it blows me away that he loves me, period, number one. Number two, it blows me away that he would he would use us and that we would have the high privilege, all of us who are listening to this podcast, have the high privilege of representing him to the world. Because mm. I look at this way, not an ego, egotistical way. You, all the people who are listening on this podcast, all of us have been called to God by God as much as the 12 disciples were called. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty, I mean, we don't think of our disciple many times. We don't think we're qualified. But God views us, hey, listen, I called you. I call you to whatever field of service you're in, whatever area, how hard it, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, but again, I go back to that point about intimacy with God, and I just feel like I was talking to some folks uh, that you guys would know too as well, who are also workers around the world, and they they talk awful times about like spending time with God's presence, but it's got to be more than that. Mm-hmm. It's got to be like intimacy, 
not only do you share everything with him, but he feels all your emotions. Mm. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, right? He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Yeah. And we always think sickness. Mm-hmm. But he knows if you and your wife aren't getting along, if your kids are not doing great, mm-hmm. if you're struggling with finances, if churches are dropping you left and right, if people are responding in a negative way, if your superiors are not, whatever. And your superiors are phenomenal. They never make a mistake, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But, but <laughs> you're not supposed to laugh there, guys. <laughs> but I think that the idea is that God has me there working on my life, not for the betterment of other people. I'd be a, a better pastor or a better minister, missionary, but just closer to him. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, takes, a lot of the, it takes a lot of the pride out of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I I want to hear this this story. So, what's what's your persevering story? Because I think I yes, think this please. is this is good because this is fantastic. There's not a single missionary that doesn't have to persevere. In fact, if anything, I would say it's a requisite for being a missionary because yes. we're immediately thrust into raising a, a, an enormous amount of money with no oh, yeah. previous experience doing so. Um, and that's yeah. just the first of many things that we have to persevere at. So, yeah. so what is your persevering story? If I can say, guys, I honor you guys, all the people listening on this in a highway. And I think anyone who knows me and knows our church, we honor you very, very much. We don't think you're superhuman, but we do think that you've been called by God to do some super things. Yeah. And and part of the even though I'm at the process of raising support and being on the field away from home and uh, all that kind of stuff, but I honor that. But I think you, every person, every person who's listening comes to a point in their life, am I going to stick this out or not? So I have one story, a short story, and I'll take a longer one maybe another time in the future. Sure. This is Billy Graham, okay? Everyone knows Billy Graham, and, and you may know part of his story, but you can Google this, and it's, it's a true story. And I didn't find this about two, until about three weeks ago I was reading something. But you know, Billy Graham, he was, he was a young evangelist for Youth for Christ. Youth for Christ was an up-and-coming you know, ministry to college campuses and high schools. And a guy named Charles Templeton, uh, you may not have heard of him, but he was uh, one of the two guys who really uh, asked Billy to become the, evan- the evangelist for Youth for Christ. Now, we always think that Billy had these huge crusades, and it was just a wonderful thing. Early on, he struggled. He mm-hmm. so struggled. Nothing was happening in the crusades. He went to a place not too far from here in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and did a crusade, and it was he just bombed. Like no one gets saved. Like people who were saved are falling back to God, you know, falling back to the enemy. All that kind of he's just oh my terrible. Gosh. And then Charles Templeton, his friend who had asked him to be the Youth for Christ evangelist, Charles Templeton went to Princeton University and became a theologian, but walked away from God to the point that he becomes an agnostic. So he, this is the guy who, who's mentoring Billy Graham. Wow. And he says to Billy, "Give this up, Billy. It's not real." And so Templeton got in the idea that it's all about knowledge and all this other stuff is just fluff. And so here Billy Graham has just failed miserably in some crusades. His best friend who's mentoring him is telling him it's 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 hooey, it's a bunch of junk. Give it up. Yeah. And so he's like frustrated. So he goes out to California. Maybe you've heard this story before. He goes out to California at a crusade. He's supposed to have a crusade there. And he goes out and he puts his Bible down on a stump. And uh, he says, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm getting no traction here. Nothing's happening. I feel like, you know, you've opened these doors, but I don't even know I'm the right guy. And now my friend is telling me that you're not even real. Hmm. And then he says, you know, God, so he's kneel, he kneels down and he gets up 
after kneeling there for some time, he's out in the woods by himself, and he looks at the sky, and he says, he says, God, I don't know about all these things. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know if you'll ever bless me again. But every time I read your word, I hear you say, thus saith the Lord. And from this point on, I'm going to listen to the thus saith the Lord, and not the voice of men. And uh, he stood He stood up. The next night, he, he uh, has a crusade. 400 people come to faith. And uh, that started an eight-week revival in, in Hollywood, California, that sprung his ministry from what it was to what it became. Wow. And you think about that, because he was faithful. Now Samaritan's Purse is faithful, right? Yeah, yeah. And you think about, what if he was said no? Yeah. And what if he listened to even voices of friends he respected? Charles Templeton, in his, in his later years, was asked by Lee Strobel's mm-hmm. in the book Case for Christ. He was asked, why did you become an agnostic? And he goes on, and, and then he was asked by, by Strobel, tell me about Billy Graham. And uh, this is good for every missionary listening guy, every worker here now. Charles Templeton said, if there was one person I'd listen to about their faith in God, it'd be Billy Graham, because he believes what he says. Wow. And I just felt, when I, when I heard that wow. story, guys, I thought to wow. myself, every one of you have to have that moment of that, that stump, yeah. that stump prayer. When you're by yourself, and your wives who love you and care for you are saying, hey, let's go home, or it's hard, or you're saying, let's go home. Maybe your wife are saying, let's stay, and you're saying, let's go home. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then God says, wait a second, I called you. And if you, if you leave now, not only are you going to miss it, but a lot of other people will miss. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, for me, guys, that's been really rattling my own heart. I was down in Texas and spoke about that a few times last week. And I just feel like I think people miss what God can do by just simply persevering. And I, I just want to encourage, I do love everyone that is serving God. I honor you. But I think you made it, you made a commitment. Everyone listening, you have made a commitment. And can I say this to you? God doesn't take that commitment back. Right. You didn't make a conditional yes. Right. You made a yes to him. Not commission, but yes to him. So I'm not trying to be preachy, guys. I'm just, it's really heavy on my heart right now. Because I have friends like you wow. and missionaries yeah, and ministers yeah. who've walked away because it got hard. But they forgot. God heard that commitment. Mm, yeah. And he won't get out of it. What an incredible story. I think it reminds me also of Elisha telling the king to, to in battle to strike the ground with the arrows. That's right. Yeah. You know, coming right to the point of a major, major victory. Yeah. And it all coming down to us stopping right at the pivotal moment yes. of achieving that, that victory. And so it's not that everything is necessarily lost, but man, we were about to do something incredible. And Elisha says, you know, if you had just struck the ground a few more times, if you had just been desperate enough to persevere through the next stage, you would have completely eliminated, completely wiped your enemies out, you know? And that's what's interesting. In that that case, Elisha, this incredible prophet of God who does double the miracles of Elijah and all that kind of stuff. He, he dies angry Yeah, because a man mm. could have been used by God to do great things. Didn't. Wow. Wow. But I think the idea of saying, God, when you called me, you're going to equip me to do what I need to do. First and foremost, just to be with you. Because mm. honestly, guys, I can't give what I don't have. We can pretend and all of us have mm. been fake on this, on this podcast. Everyone has been fake at one time or another. Unless you be honest with ourselves. But, right. but God says, wait a second, if you're with me and you know me, it's easier for us to, to hold to that yes. And uh, he'll, he'll, help, he'll help us with that. Yeah. I think that's striking the ground part. I think too many missionaries 
then too many pastors leave right before, like you said, Jonathan, right before something breaks. Hmm. Yeah. And who knows wow. what could have been done. Yeah. Sam, Man. what's that look like for you? Because everything on the island is breaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's a continual perseverance. And and uh, kind of to add to that and to put this in the context of some missionaries, and I know, Pastor Mark, I know you're with this. A lot of times as missionaries, sometimes we get frustrated because perseverance for us in a way feels unproductive because we are like for example in the context that I live in I live in a village so I our water comes from a well now it has to fill up a tank at the top of the village and then it gravity feeds down to the tank at our house and I have to run out turn the pump on every time we want to use any faucet in the house and we only have two faucets and if the if the pump's not on uh then it's not going to work and if there's no water in the tank then the pump is going to burn out and in addition to that, the back side of the village, which is behind us, also has a shower, uh, and it's just an outdoor faucet, and uh, that that is based on our tank. So that's just one example. But you know, we have this routine. You know, okay, Liam, that's my oldest son. Go outside, turn the, make sure the valve is open so water's coming to the tank. Turn the pump on. Someone needs to go to the bathroom. You know, and and so we spend a lot of time in these things, persevering in these life things that feel like. At the end of the day, you're like, well, yeah, I had water for my family, and I was able to talk to that one guy that came into the village, but I went into town to to see if there was any meat, and the butcher wasn't hacking up any meat with his hatchet today, so we didn't have meat, so now I've got cabbage. And that was like the day, you know, and you feel like, wait a second, was that, was that why I'm here? Is that what I'm supposed to do? And... Uh, and then God reminds us as we go through those things. But what would you say to to missionaries as they're persevering and sometimes they feel like I'm just living? Yeah, I, I think the idea is I prayed a prayer for a long time, guys, for several years. It was really tough for me. And it was a very simple two word prayer. God knows. Yeah. God knows. Mm. And he knows that day. And, and Sam and everyone listening here, I honor you guys for like even talking about that. I can't relate to that because I've never walked through that. I'm not trying to say I know how you feel. I don't like when people tell me I know how you feel because no one does. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm saying to you, God knows that you're being faithful to him. And it's almost like Brother Lawrence, you know, who's, you know, he's peeling potatoes in the kitchen, never, ever yeah. seen great victory, great favor until God elevates him after he dies, really, which is sort of crazy. I don't, yeah. I don't understand God's ways, Sam. I do know that he does. He knows. And he knows my heart. And he knows mm -hmm. if I'm faithful, even when you have to do the water multiple times a day and it's frustrating and the butcher's not there and things are not turning around, electricity cuts out, all that kind of stuff. I think that ultimately we're saying, God, what do you called me to do? And that's why I go about that intimacy point. Um, honestly, you tell me that story right yeah. now, Sam, and it blows me away. But I don't live that story. That's your story. But... Don't you think God is pleased with you and the other folks listening to say, you know what, you are being faithful. And we're not comparing. Everyone has stuff to deal with, different kind of stuff. Um, but I think that I just honor that very, very much in your life, Sam, and, and others. But I think also to the same point, too, God does know your faithfulness of this saying, I'm going to stick it through. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. This goes back to what we were saying before, too, about uh, embracing the process mm -hmm. as well, because mm -hmm. I think our scale for what success is, our scale for victory is 
often broken. Yes. Like it's it's not on the same plane as God's scale mm-hmm. for those things. You know, and I, I felt like in the past few years, God really showed me that, you know, he cares much more about our heart position than he does our geographic yes. location. We put so much emphasis on position, on our day and what's actually happening. And, and God is caring way more about what's in t- happening internally than externally. And so our scale for viewing what is success, not only for our ministry as a whole, but day in, day out, what is a successful day in ministry? What is a victory in ministry? I think as missionaries, we learned very quickly to measure victory in in a much smaller portion mm-hmm. because sometimes, you know, it's like in the US church, you can be, well, we had, you know, 20 visitors mm-hmm. today. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Or we we had 13 people come to Christ today. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. If we had one come to Christ in one term, yes. sometimes that's Absolutely. the victory that we're going after. And that that goes back to the question, who measures it? it right. It's God's right. measuring. So one of my heroes of missions is Victor Plymeyer, right? So you know mm-hmm. his story. I mean, yeah. talking about no, no oh, results yeah. and losing his wife and his child and burying them in the bed. I was I was in the bed a few years ago, and I was just like moved to think about you know all that stuff he did. And to this day, as far as we know, there are there are no Tibetans who are Christians, right? You know, and, and he said, "Well, God, was it worth it?" Now there are Tibetan people who got saved and left Tibet, but I thought to myself, God, in that whole process, if, if success is measured by my, I run the race, I finish the course. Mm-hmm. Then I'll let you. I'll let you define success. Numbers do yeah. not yeah, define no. success. God's heart and your heart walking together and say, God. And honestly, guys, there's times I'm going to beat my head against the wall and say, God, what's going on? Why? Why aren't we getting anywhere? And people who I'm walking with, mentoring different ages in different places, missionaries and, and ministers alike, that same thing, God. But I think I keep saying to them, guys, God's pleased with you for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you st- you tell people all the time if you if you ever have the opportunity. You know, I think it's a win to learn their language. It's a win to learn culture in four years or 10 years or 20 years. But I, I think that if, if that process is to say, God, I tell people all the time that you love people with, a, um, we talk about it, the reckless love of God, whatever. But we, we talk about that. But when it comes to us, we don't believe that. Mm. You know, we mm. preach it, but we don't mm. believe it. And that's a pretty basic found, fundamental thing to believe. And I just think right. if everyone who's in ministry would understand, he just flat out loves you. Not because right. of what you do, yeah. but because of who you are in him. That you, you're, you're one loved by God. Not because the Bible says so only, well, that's a big part of it, but because you have that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Mm. I had a sad story. A friend of mine I went to school with became a highly successful theologian in our context, and uh, went to grad school and got his doctorate. And then after ministry, for fears, got really burned out by people and walked away from God. So he's still he's still friends with me, and we still talk all the time. He listens to my messages on Sunday. I called him yesterday. I was in Chicago. I called him, and he said, my heart is warming, Mark, for God again. And I was so hard, I was so blessed by that. That's been like 15 years. Wow. And I thought, wow. and he, he said, I said, what do you want to do? When you when you're done with your career, that you have, he said. I, he said he he made this statement to you guys. I hope you hold on to this. He said to me. He said, "I want to go back into ministry." He said, "What I do now." He works at a university there in Chicago. He said, "What I do now doesn't matter a whole lot. When I was in ministry, everything I did mattered forever." Hmm. Wow. And he's not wow. a follower of Jesus right now, guys. 
He's just struggling in his faith. But he he saw, looking back now in hindsight, if I just would have kept focused not on the people, but on the Lord. Yeah. And he's and he's coming. Thank God he's coming around. Is that is that what success for you like on a day to day basis? What yeah. what does it boil down to? Because what I hear kind of a prevailing thought between all three of us, what we're saying is that success in, in essence, a lot of times just boils down to obedience. Oh, that's all it is. Did I do some yeah. today mm. to please the Lord? Right. Did, right. And I mm. said, okay, but bring it down even more, guys. Did I walk, did I walk without sin today? Mm. Wow. You know, if the process is for me, this is the Bible says to be conformed into his image, not to become a better right. missionary or a famous missionary or a famous pastor, but to be conformed to his image. Lord, I didn't sin today. I didn't lose. Yeah. I didn't lose with my kids today. Yeah. And, and Lord God, as 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 your and honestly, guys, you know this better than I do, or at least as good as I do. When my walk is right, I hear God better. When my walk is right, I feel like okay, Lord, even if this is my path for the next twenty years, and there was not God's given us success and all that kind of stuff in man's eyes, but even if there wasn't, I want to be able to say, God, at least I was faithful to you. Yeah. And uh, yes. Yes. I'm sort of hurting with you guys thinking about what you guys go through, but I, I feel like if I can just somehow raise the level of what success is off of Earth, an Earth plane, onto how God sees it, and that He flat out cares for you, even in our, in our frailties. And there's people here who will be listening who are struggling in areas of sin, and areas of thought life, and areas of disappointment or depression, mm-hmm. and and His care for you mm-hmm. is so intense. It doesn't matter what you do; He's not changing. Mm. He's not, wow. he's not He's not. impressed by you if you do great things and depressed by you if you do bad things. And I don't think we understand, appreciate it, but we don't, we don't believe it. And it's really sad that the people who should know it don't. It's hard for us to adopt his way of looking at ourselves. Yeah, and that's the process. Yeah, yeah. And I want to reiterate, Mark, what, uh, Pastor Mark, what you just said. You said he's not impressed by you if you do great things, and he's not depressed in you if you do bad things. People need to so hear good. that. Yeah, that was so good. People need to hear that. And by people, I mean the brotherhood, the, the men uh, that are listening to this. We need to hear that because uh, we put pressure on ourselves on both sides of those things, we think, especially especially with the way that social media is and everything is. We think, man, we got to do great things. we got to show these great things. And, and then when we do a bad thing, we think, oh, man, shoot, I just messed up and I've ruined it all. I've ruined it all. And we just carry that weight around. And man, when we put those benchmarks in front of us, you know, you, you mentioned, have I lived without sin today? Have I simply obeyed God today? Have I, have I taken that time to be intimate with my Heavenly Father today? Uh, that really puts things in perspective and lets go of all the pressures. I think breaking down things into manageable time mm-hmm. chunks, so to speak, is, is incredibly helpful too, because we can feel really terrible about where we, how far we've come or where we are in our relationship with God or, or what we've accomplished in ministry, we can feel ter- terrible about it sometimes if we look at the broad stroke of it, like, mm-hmm. oh, I haven't achieved it yet. Oh, I haven't gotten there yet. But if we break it down even to that sort of daily thing of saying, okay, this very hour, have I spent uh, being aware of God's presence yeah. and Holy Spirit speaking to me? If I want to truly hear from God on a daily basis, and I want to 
hear his Holy Spirit prompt me in, in my everyday activities and interactions. Have I done it this hour? Have I done it next hour? Have I done it today? Yep. You know, I think that's so incredibly mm. helpful. So you guys know two yeah. men in the history of the world who, are, who did not die. Enoch and Elijah. Elijah did great yeah. things, incredible miracles. Mm-hmm. We have no record of Enoch doing anything except walking with God. Yeah. Wow. Not wow. one soul. No one came <laughs> to conversion. No miracles. Right. But he walked with God, and God said, I want that guy. Yeah. Wow. It, it really it really flips our priorities mm-hmm. because I think in ministry, especially in missions, we adopt the mission of God. Yeah. And so we start we put all of our focus on achieving the mission of God mm-hmm. when in reality, God's mission is going to be accomplished regardless of our efforts right. or what we have put into That's it right. or not. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's not to devalue no. our yes. No. Right, because because the value of our yes to God was incredibly precious, mm-hmm. yeah. but the value of our yes is not measured by souls. No, mm-hmm. the value of our our yes is measured by our willingness to follow God in whatever He says to do at whatever moment He says to do it. Yes, mm. that's the joy of it. It's a high honor, guys, to be called His first of all, and to serve Him and be a disciple of His. Yeah, Jeez, I mean, yeah. what more can you ask for? Yeah. I, I just want to say to folks who are listening, and, and it's it's hard when you're in the midst of it, but I, I learn better in the desert than I do on the mountain. Mm-hmm. I, I learn from God mm-hmm. better when I'm really struggling because I listen better. When things are going great and, and everything's like everything I touch is going well, I don't listen really well. It's really when I'm in the hardship that I say, God, I got to have you at desperation moment. And uh, I just, for folks who are listening, there are people here who are really struggling right now with different areas. And maybe that competition you talked about, Sam, because of social media, you know, men are made to compete athletically, intellectually, and we think in ministry is the same way, but God doesn't view it that way. Right. And I, I want I just like to break that cycle of competition because God's looking at me and I I go back to the scripture over and over again. Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. So you can almost say man looks on the numbers, man looks yeah. on the success, God looks on your heart. Yeah. And and that right. should be here. Wow. I hope that's a relief wow. for somebody listening. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think this is such a great reminder because I know that uh, more than anything else, the pressure that we put on ourselves incapacitates us. It blocks us from having that intimate time with God, and it blocks us from being successful with what God has called us to do. And Jonathan, I loved what you said. You know, it's we we try and we try and uh, uh, quantify what we're trying to do, and we say you know we're all about the mission of God, and that we take, try and take that on our shoulders. When the reality is, it's going to be accomplished with or without us. And our our yes is just is, is just a, an awesome part of it's a surrender. It's a part of that obedience. And you know if if anything from this today, if we could take away to simply surrender to that obedience to our Heavenly Father and take the pressures off ourselves and not try and do what He is going to do. Just let Him move. Because I know, Pastor Mark, one of the greatest opportunities we've had in ministry has come through interruptions, has absolutely just come through interruptions. We've had open doors into communities that we never would have gotten into when we were just living our lives and we were just trying to be obedient, trying to do these things, and then we got interrupted and it felt like an interruption. It really did. It felt like, wait a second, this is going to throw off my whole day. And 
when mm-hmm. we followed that interruption, you know, sometimes it was uh, one time it was just taking a chief to the other side of the of the island because I had a truck, one of the few trucks, and we were able to go to the other side of the island together. And through the three and a half hour bumpy road, uh, the conversation led from one thing to another, and it was an open door. But it was a complete interruption. It disrupted my whole day, and <laughs> you know, but that was just God doing His part. And uh, I didn't. I, I'd like to say in the midst of it, I totally saw it and realized what was happening. But it wasn't until afterwards when I took a deep breath and looked back and praised God for what He'd done. That's yeah. good. That's good. It, it's never good. till afterwards. You never see it till afterwards, you know? I'm serious. Sam, was it also an interruption by God when the rat ran across your bed in the middle of the night while you were trying to sleep? <laughs> was that considered a God interruption I, as we, well? We, we, we haven't classified that one yet. Uh, it, was a, it was a definite interruption. And uh, <laughs> there was a righteous indignation that welled up within me as I completely destroyed my house. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The rats were so bad when they got back to the island that Sam went and found some uh, just a stray cat in the village, picked it up, chucked it inside his his house, and slammed the door shut and let the the cat go crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I wanna I wanna switch I wanna switch gears just a little bit, but it still touches on this because Sam mentioned about things, you know, that we're having to persevere on a daily basis and things pulling. There, there's, there's God interruptions for sure. There's things that pull on our time and away, pull us away from what we had planned to do. And, and some of those things are used by God and we should just go with them. But as a leader, having gone from a church that was a, a medium-sized church to a very large church that's doing some major, ma- major things around the world and ministries going on, how have you had to to scale your time management and uh, dealing with the different people, the problems, the ministries, all those things that are trying to pull on your time and say this is more important than whatever you had planned? You know, how do you deal with that? As probably well? honestly, I hope I'm getting better at this because I think uh, probably your ages, guys. I thought, man, I got to help everybody all the time, and if they need me, I'm there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I realized yeah. I was doing a disservice because I, I felt like that goes back to my ego, right? I wanted to have people think I could fix it or make it all right. And sometimes mm-hmm. I can't. Now, you have you have pressures on you in different capacities in different areas because the people who are around you are really looking for you to be that source. But I would say this, guys. There are certain things you have got to do. No option. And you get some time with God every day. And if you're preparing something right. to speak, you got to make sure you you have time to, to do that, take care of that. And there's not a day in my life ever, ever, guys, and I'm lots older than you, that my life, my day goes like it's planned, ever. Mm-hmm. Because something's going to happen, someone's hurt, someone's sick, someone's dying, someone needs help, someone needs encouragement, someone needs on the team here needs something. So I, I walk in, I have my agenda for the day, and I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm a planner like you guys are planners, but I realize ultimately God knows what needs to happen. But I would just set, set priority on his presence with him and to say, I've got to make sure I honor him. I got to honor uh, my walk with him. I want to honor my family. And then I'll honor ministry. And I'm, I'm a hardworking guy. Anybody who knows me, I work hard. But when I was younger, I really got that mixed up a little bit. I'm not trying to, to say put my family above God. I am saying put mm-hmm. my family above ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a balance because a lot of folks are saying, 
well, let me, especially missionaries I know and pastors I know, let me just work 40 hours a week and I'll be done. I don't know anybody with their salt works 40 hours a week. I don't know anybody. Yeah. But I do think there's a balance. And that's what I was saying to you guys a moment ago, too. Even your perseverance, it may not just be for you and the people you're going to touch there in your context. Maybe it's for your own kids. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of your kids is going to do something great for God if they saw you not giving up. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it makes it But I think the priority, guys, of of here's here's thinking, God, what do you want? Take me out of the mix of the things I want to do. What do you have to get done today? Right. Right. Because all your life, there's been more to do. But I just feel like somehow that priority, Jonathan and Sam, I think if you can say, God, all right, today, Lord, you know what's going to happen. Will you please let me accomplish what you want me to do? But there are certain things you've got to get done. If you're speaking, you've got to get ready for that. If you are mm-hmm. tasked with something, you have to do it. And you know what's amazing to me? God will give you almost like stretching days like Joshua if you do it his way. If you do it your way, the day flies and you have no time to do anything. Hmm. It's very weird. So true. That's good. There's some guys that are really detail oriented. And if you could indulge us this personal question could you describe how you start your day and kind of like you know i know this is this is a different kind of question but like some of us like to hear this like even like hey first thing i do is i get up i have a glass of water i shut my alarm off and then i take my vitamins i mean is there is there like a routine that is like that you feel like gets you going and gets you centered right absolutely i first in the morning first thing i made a covenant with god several years ago the first thing i'm gonna do is read the word. So the very first thing I got out of bed, I go find a place with no one's around, and uh, I just read the word. And uh, I go through systematic, just reading the word, not study of the word there, just reading the word. Because I used as a young pastor, I used to study the word for what I'm going to preach on. And I, I was right. really doing a disservice to God and to me. So the first thing I do is I, I read the word. And usually a few chapters at a time, and then Right now, I'm doing something on a, a Bible app that I read like two or three chapters of the Bible and then uh, a psalm every day. That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. For many years, I read my utmost for its highest every morning for like 14 years after I read the Bible. It just wow. radically changed my life, guys. It really did. Give, it, wow. give us that title again. What was that? Oswald Chambers. Oswald oh, Chambers. Yeah. It will okay. rock your world every day. It just right in the yeah. face. And, and again, he didn't have great success in what he was doing until after he was dead. And he died like yeah. 43 years old in Egypt. Yeah. I was at his at his grave several years ago, and it just says, it says Oswald Chambers, a follower of Christ. That's his tombstone. Mm-hmm. And how many people? Wow. Uh, I, almost, I think the third highest read book of all time, Christian book of all time. Wow. That he did not write. His wife wrote it, actually, from his messages. But I think the first thing I do is I read the word. second thing I do is I pray. And I do pray, first of all, Pray it, Lord God, whatever needs to happen today, please let me walk in your spirit. And and I pray for my family, pray for my wife, my kids, my grandkids. I named them my name, and I start praying for the church. And then I say, God, please, now the rest of this day now, I've already prayed my request before you. I just want to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to do, and that's, you know, I, I get it for you. I, I think I start every morning by 5, 5.30. And then, and then I go, and I get in the office probably about, I don't know, 7.30 something like that, a couple hours later. But I do that on purpose because our staff doesn't get here until 8.30, so I have another hour just to like just be before him. Mm. I think that if you just do that, it, it costs me a little sleep, but if I don't do that, my day is like completely gone and I'm not spent adequate time with him. Yeah. That, that helps me, and then from that point on, I'm saying, hey, God, let me enjoy the day. 
And if I'm not in, and there are times sometimes that are really brutal days and people get upset and you do something wrong or you could have done something better and you think, man, I could have just done something better. And God, God says, okay, I got it. See you tomorrow. You know, so we're one of those deals like yeah. we make a bigger deal yeah. about our failures than he does. Mm-hmm. Not our sins, right. but our failures I'm talking about. What we would right. classify as failures. But that's sort of my context. I heard Craig Rochelle one time say he uses the, the, uh, the flossing method. Maybe you've heard this before. He flosses twice a day, and he says, I can floss in the morning and floss at night. If I can do that, I can order my steps in a way that honors God. Wow, wow. So I often <laughs> ask people around the staff here, did you floss today? Meaning, did you spend time with God? You know? I love so, that. I love that. So it's just, you know, honestly, guys, I, I'm, it helped me, guys, really, when I started thinking about, I'm not studying to be with Jesus to help to sound better when I speak or more intelligent. I just want to be with mm-hmm. him. And like today, I was reading scripture today, Acts 17, and I never saw this before, but in the English uh, Standard Version, it says, in Paul's in Athens, it says, he looked around, he saw the idols, and his spirit was provoked. Wow. And I never, I never saw that before. I read a different, but I never saw that. I've read disturbed and troubled, but it was provoked, which means he had to have action. And I never yeah. saw that in all my life, guys. I never saw it that way. And maybe so I good. saw it every day. I don't know. I never saw it quite wow. like that. That's so good. Yeah. I want to go back to, to something you said about prioritization and, and family in that. You know, I think Sam and I both come from ministry families. Sam is a missionary kid, grew up in Japan. I grew up at, my dad was a pastor of three churches and we evangelized for a long time. I know that that was a lesson that my dad learned the hard way and he'll tell you, you know, he says, God spoke to him one day and said, I care way more about you than I do your ministry. Yeah. And it's essentially what you were saying. That's kind of one of the things you, you've got two grown sons, Sam and I, mm-hmm. we both have small children. It's a constant fight to keep what is really priority in priority. And also I think it's a concern too, for a lot of missionaries is, you know, how to, we, how do we be intentional with our kids so that we want them to love God, but we also don't want them to hate ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And as a pastor's kid, there was a, a season of my life that I went through that I wasn't sure if I loved ministry or even loved people yeah. the way that I needed to for ministry because I had witnessed all of the hurt, yeah. all of the pain, all of the, the bad sides of it that my parents had gone through. And many times as a, as a kid, you don't have the emotional maturity and capacity to process the negative things with the positive and to balance it out in a healthy way. And so how has that been for you and just prioritizing? Because especially as your church has scaled, mm-hmm. surely things have pulled more and more and challenged mm-hmm. you more on how do I prioritize family yeah. above that ministry? I'll, I'll confess my failures to you guys right now. Okay. So. I was also raised as a pastor's kid, very similar situation, Jonathan, to you. And I, I never wanted to be a pastor. I never wanted to be in ministry because I saw the pain of it, right? So, but, but God's mm-hmm. grace allowed me to, to change over the years, even in ministry. So I said when I was younger, I felt like this pressure to run against myself and catch up with what people expected me to be. And really, the only person pushing me was really me, not even, it was not God. So I would work umpteen hours, never be home. And then almost it almost killed killed myself and killed our family many many years ago. I was like twenty nine, thirty years old. Um, but then I, I started being really faithful to put my family first. So after a walk with God, my family is first. And so I have few rules. 
I do take a day off every week, and I'm really religious on that. If something comes up that I have to go that somewhere else on that day, I make up the day another day of the week. And that's hard for me because I want to have people be happy with me and be pleased and all that kind of stuff. But then I also put priority that if my kids, my wife, my kids, now my grandkids call, I'll drop. I don't care who I'm with. I'll talk with them. I'll stop what I'm doing. I don't care who it is. And then if they have something that's important to them, it becomes important to me. So my two boys, Mm -hmm. who who I never wanted them to hate ministry or detest it. I was at every game. I coached their teams, all that kind of stuff. In hindsight, guys, the one thing I regret is not even spending more time with them, to be honest with you. Now, to God's credit, in his glory, and I love him, Mom, and and God's faith, faithfulness in my life, I have two boys who love God. I mean, one's a pastor uh, in New Jersey, and another's a pastor here on staff with me. And they both love God. They still love me, which I think is the biggest win. They, but they love God, and they still want to be around <laughs> us. It's so amazing. Yeah. But they don't resent ministry. They really enjoy ministry. They see what God has done, and they're really thankful. But I think part of that is when I, if I can say this, Jonathan and Sam, broke broke sort of the cycle of what I saw and said, I don't have to live that cycle out. Yeah. And I'm not been uh, perfect with this guy. I'm telling you, I, early on, I made so many mistakes in that. But I, I do think, and it's hard balance because you have to please God, you have this pressure on yourself, and then you've got pressure from superiors and all the people around you. But if your kids, right. if your kids don't love God, and I know the people who are living on this, listening right now, some of you guys have struggles with folks who've walked away from God. I'm praying for those kids who are, who are yeah. wayward from the Lord. But I'm saying, if you can break that cycle now, even if they do walk away from God, like Templeton said to Billy Graham, he believes what he says. Mm-hmm. And at least he was there for me and he loved me. Yeah, That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. Great. Pastor Mark, this has been awesome today, and if I can kind of sum up what we talked about, we were saying pursue God, seek obedience, and love your family actively, and then work towards ministry. I mean, that's, that was kind of my four takeaways from, from, from what we talked about today. And you know what's so blessing to me about this is that we are taking all the pressure on ourselves, reorganizing ourselves just to totally surrender to God, follow His, His leading love our family, spend time with our family, and just watch what God does and follow those open doors. Certainly those, those takeaways and the act of persevering. I, I love how on this podcast, sometimes uh, going through this kind of natural way of conversing about things, things just come out. And that persevering really hit me today. Persevering in the minutes, in the hours, in the days, and not stopping when things get difficult, but recognizing that just on the other side of whatever I'm battling today, whatever whatever I've got going on, just on the other side of that could be an incredible breakthrough that honestly is on a scale of the miraculous. Yeah, I, I would say also that joy for me to talk with you guys too, but I think if I just remind you this one thing, your first yes to him was to him. Right. Not, not the ministry not the missionary, not the AWM, but to him. So let that yes be yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's great. Pastor Mark, man, we so appreciate you and we appreciate your church. We appreciate your heart to encourage missionaries to make a difference in us and through us uh, around the world. And we cannot wait to see what God, 
I, I don't believe that this is this is a uh, uh, an end destination for Cornerstone and what you you have achieved. I look forward to seeing what God is going to do and grow in that ministry because I think that that church has modeled your heart for uh, reaching people around the world. And so we would just want to thank you for taking the time and coming and speaking to our guys. And thank you for being legendary. Uh, and I know sometimes sometimes you you may not feel like that, and and we certainly don't always feel like that. But it's because of your obedience that God has yes. made you legendary. And so we thank yes. you for being obedient to God in, in everything that you're doing. So thanks for the yeah, honor, guys. Thanks and so much. Absolutely. Yeah. We look forward to speaking again, and, uh, and we'll talk to you later, okay? Okay.